Well, good morning. So I got to tell you about something. See, I don't play sports. I'm sorry. I don't watch sports. I play sports, okay? However, I found something out that was very interesting to me. I love finding out like these random stories of just odd instances. Maybe you call them bloopers or whatever you want to call them. So 10 years ago, there was these two high school basketball teams. They were playing against each other. The winner would go off to the playoffs. And Hugo High School in Oklahoma, it was four seconds left in the game. They were up by one point. You could feel the tension and the ball is out of bounds. So they're about to throw it back in Hugo High School, the winning team, the team that has the point advantage. They get the ball and they pass it in bounds. Their teammate catches it, dribbles it, drives it straight to the goal for a layup, scores for the other team. Hugo High School loses thanks to them scoring in the... Can you imagine the car ride home? Can you imagine that end of his, that guy's life the next week at school when he has to live with the fact that um, not only did he cost them the win, but he did so because he scored on the wrong goal. Now, the thing is, we can laugh at that. We can pray for that guy. I'm sure now he's de- still devastated after 10 years. Uh, maybe, one, maybe he'll come across this and he'll be reminded of the sadness. Um, so we're praying for you, brother. But the thing is, in life, we can do the exact same thing. Okay, this individual, he didn't mean to cost the team the game. He didn't mean to go up for that layup in the wrong basket. That wasn't his intent. He was doing everything he thought he was supposed to do, and then bam, it's over. The truth is that can be you and me. We can have the greatest intentions. We can be doing what we think we're supposed to be doing, and in the end, score for the wrong team. And today, we're wrapping up this series called One Hit Wonders, where we've been looking at a few different books of Scripture that only have one chapter. And today, we're wrapping it up with the letter from, called Third John. So last week, we were in Jude. So if you like, still have like your, let's give a physical Bible, and you still have like your bookmark or ribbon in Jude, just go back one more chapter. Uh, so we're working our way backwards in Scripture this week. So go with me to Third John. And as we finish this series, you have the Apostle John. At this time, he's the last living apostle, and he is writing to this church to his buddy named Gaius. And Gaius is the elder leader of this church body, this community of believers uh, in this area. And he basically, John is writing to him to talk about a guy that seems to be um, like this individual from Hugo High School. May have great intent, may think he's being noble, but he is scoring baskets for the wrong team. He's actually hindering the church. He's actually hurting this community of believers. So John, as he's writing to Gaius, he is letting him know, hey, um, you need to be a lookout for this individual. You need to watch him. This is what's taking place. So he's scoring baskets for the wrong team. And the guy's name is, and we're going to say it together, okay? I'm going to say, I want you to repeat it back to me. Um, Those of us uh, watching on online campus, uh, you can say it to your computer screen, or you can just guess how to spell it and type it in the comment section. So Diotrephes. Say Diotrephes. That is not a medication. That is this guy's name. Diotrephes. Okay? 
It's a name that you'll probably forget in a week, but then you're like, oh, yeah. And you can Google Geotrophies. You can Google him, and it talks about how he was pretty much this troublemaker in the church body. It's incredible. So the, and another person that John brings up is a guy named Demetrius. That's a more common name. So I don't, I'm not going to make you repeat that one. That one's pretty easy to pronunciate. So let's read this short letter. It's only 15 verses. Everyone say, thank God. All right, so let's jump in. Verse 1, this letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. So in their culture, in their day and time, they had individuals like that would travel around and teach scripture which is still happens to this day. So what happened then also? Verse four, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not who are from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. So John's encouraging Gaius to continue to do what he's been doing by caring for these individuals that's traveling, that's preaching, that's sharing the gospel, and this is supporting them maybe by finding lodging providing meals, providing for them financially, because they want them to continue to do the work of ministry that they've been doing. Verse 9, then we get into the, uh, the fun part. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, oh, Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. He kicks them out. So here John is shedding light on the situation, but he's also giving a warning. Verse 11, dear friend. Don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. And then we have the other side of the coin, Demetrius. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it in pen and ink, for I hope to see you soon. And then we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. Your friends here sending, send you their greetings. Please give my personal greetings to each of our friends there. So John gives his friend Gaius this situation, this two-sided coin, this two, examples of two different individuals one that's adding value, Demetrius, and one that's causing destruction and chaos and undermining everything, Diotrephes. Say Diotrephes. There you go. Yes. So here's the thing. This is the big idea. This is what we're going to unpack. This is what we're going to work through today is that Demetrius is the antithesis, fancy word for the opposite of Diotrephes. Because again, Diotrephes, he caused division. He was undermining the apostle John. He, they were, he was working against everything that they were trying to do. And then Demetrius, 
He was doing exactly what was necessary. He was adding value. Now, again, the thing is, when you've got someone that causes more problems than solutions, they become the biggest problem. They become the biggest hindrance. And some of you, you may, you may think about someone at work, maybe someone in your family, and you're like, oh, yeah, their idiotrophy is all right. Yeah, they are capital D-I-O-trophies, D-O-trophies, because that way you don't have to try to spell it. So here's the funny thing and why I love um, books like this one is that in this letter that, that John wrote, he is not addressing theology. He is not correcting the entire church body. He is talking about a situation that is contrasted between two individuals. And that's why I love books like this of scripture is so different than other religious texts and other religious books is because this is just a letter about problem solving. This is a religious text, a letter that John wrote about how they need to rectify this relational situation. And then John's saying, I'm just telling you right now, but I'm going to be there soon. And then we're going to hash this out. I'm going to tell you all the accusations. I'm going to tell you everything that Diotrephes has been up to. And I'm also going to tell you everything that Demetrius has been up to. So again, as we tackle this letter, what we have to understand, what we have to remember, why this is important, why should we even care about Diotrephes and Demetrius, is because we can, just like that wonderful high school basketball player, we can become a Diotrephes and not even know it. We can be scoring baskets for the wrong team, have the greatest intentions, think we're doing everything right, Think, well, you know what? I think we're I don't think they're supposed to come here and preach. I'm supposed to be the one teaching this stuff. They shouldn't be coming here. No, no, no. If you guys, we can so easily be deceived and live in this delusion and actually be scoring for the wrong team. And that's why it's so important, again, as we read this letter, as we unpack this letter, again, is that the Holy Spirit, but God, by direction of the Holy Spirit, John wrote this letter. Like, it is in Scripture. Like, this is something that we get to unpack, that we get to live, that we get to allow God to speak to us through, that we get to apply to our lives. And the truth is, I have been Diotrephes. I have been the guy. I remember when I first started following Jesus. Uh, this was around 20 years ago, if you can believe that. I can't believe that. And I dove into Scripture. I was trying to understand and learn as much about Scripture and what God desired and what God wanted. But here's what it led me to initially. Because I didn't allow people, just like Jotrephes, to speak into my life. I began, basically became this, this egotistical, self-righteous, um, judgmental, legalistic, all these negative terms, follower of Jesus. I began to look at other people judgmentally, and I would look at them from the top of my, you know, basically from my platform of self-righteousness, like, I can't believe they would do that. They are not a true follower of Jesus because they don't do what I do. The entire time, though, I'm still battling and dealing with sin, but I had no grace to show to anyone else because they, weren't, they were struggling with something that I wasn't struggling with. So for me, I, and this is something I had to ask God to forgive me from, I had to go to individuals and ask them to forgive me because they're, I, I'm scared that my actions 20 years ago of judging, of shunning, and giving people grief over what they were dealing with and battling could have hindered their relationship with the Lord, that it could have caused that I was a stumbling block for them to grow close with God. 
for them to have a thriving relationship with him. And I am the one, the call was coming from inside the house. I am Diotrephes. That John, I would have been the guy that was in the negative light of this letter. That's why for me, this matters. Because I'm now paranoid that I, again, this, this tension to manage of, do I want to be Demetrius? Do I want to be Diotrephes? I don't know. Let's see what the day holds. And having to be aware and having to be intentional. So again, when we leave here, what are we going to do? What's our action step? I want us to be Demetrius, not Diotrephes. I want you, when you go to work, when you are at home with your family, when you're serving in the community, when you're serving here at the local church, I want you to be a Demetrius, one that is adding value, one that is, again, being obedient to Scripture, one that is not, um, that's not pushing away when people want to speak into your life. Because, again, Diotrephes, he was undermining what the Apostle John was sharing, what the Apostle John was teaching. You see, Diotrephes, he stirred up. He caused division. He caused chaos. He was kicking people out of the church for doing what the Apostle John said to do. He was stirring things up, but Demetrius, Demetrius showed up. He talked about, again, he kept going on and on and on about how faithful he was, the value he was adding, because he was doing things the way they should have been done. He was building up the kingdom. He wasn't tearing it down. Now, again, Diotrephes, he gets a bad rap, but he had good intention. And my fear is that for me and for you, we can have all the good intentions and still be missing it. I don't want to score for the other team. I don't want to hinder the gospel going forward. I don't want to hinder and be a stumbling block to other believers because of my insecurity, because of my self-righteousness. I want to be a Demetrius. Like for me today, again, I want us to, when we leave this place, say, hey, what's up, Demetrius? Like we just say that to every single individual in here. Like, hey, Demetrius, what's up? Like stop calling each other by our real names. It's just Demetrius. No, I'm kidding. That would uh, that'd probably be a cult. But I want us to be, have the mindset of how the Apostle John talks about Demetrius, not Diotrephes. And here's how we do this. See, being faithful isn't just saying that you trust God. You see, many of us, we talk about our faith in Christ. We talk about, again, how close we follow him, that we desire to be obedient to him. We want to do everything we can. That's why I love getting to share earlier about how God has been working in individuals' lives in miraculous ways. I was sharing earlier about how so far this year, across all of our locations, we've seen uh, 89 individuals make a decision to follow Jesus. It's incredible what God is doing at Thrive Church. And the thing is, we can get there, yeah, celebrate. That's cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. But just talking about how faithful we are is not enough. Just showing up is not enough. Because again, there's this slippery slope that we can easily slide into being Diotrephes instead of Demetrius. So the question we really have to ask ourselves, the sign of true faithfulness is can God trust you? Can God trust me to do what he asks, to do what he desires? to not be a stumbling block like I have been. 
to not hinder the gospel going forward, to not be a hindrance to the local church. Because again, Demetrius was faithful. God could trust him. The apostle John knew that he could trust him. Again, he he was going to come, he was going to show up and talk to Gaius. And it's like, hey man, let me tell you about how awesome and how God has been using Demetrius. I got more things I want to share. How awesome would that be if that would be us? If God wants to brag on what you have been doing because of your faithfulness, because of how he can trust you to be obedient to what he wants, that you've been faithful with what he's given you in this life. You've been faithful to trust him in the good and the bad. You've been faithful to trust him and obey what he desires, what he's guiding you to, even if it's not what you want. Even if the situation is tough, we've remained faithful. And because of that, God continues to trust us. Can he trust you to be faithful even when you don't feel like it? Because there are days, ladies and gentlemen, I wake up and I would much rather choose to be selfish Keith than godly Keith, than Keith that wants to honor the Lord, that wants to obey God. I want to do what I want to do and not what he wants. Can he trust us to be faithful even if we don't feel like it? Even if we don't feel motivated In John 17, Jesus is praying, and he's praying and asking God to, hey, let this cup pass for me. Do I have to do this? Do I have to endure the cross? Do I have to go through torture? Do I have to be murdered? If there's another way, let's go that way, God. That's the KRV. But at the end, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And I think so often we can find ourselves in that same moment, in that same mode of prayer, of saying, God, if there's any other way we can do this, can I just do it my way? Can I just have, can I, I have the job that I want, not the one you want to give me? Can I live in the neighborhood I want instead of having to live there? Can I have this instead of that? Can I be me, 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 me? That's fine. But at the end of the prayer, our heart has to be the same as Christ, but not my will, but your will be done. You see, that's the deciding factor of if we're going to be Diotrephes, if we're going to be Demetrius, is at the end of our selfishness, are we willing to lay it down? Are we willing to surrender it so that his will can be done in and through us? Can God trust you? Can God trust me? I'll be honest with you. It depends upon the day. There are some days I wake up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, man, God, I'm excited for how you're going to get to use me today. I'm excited. I'm looking for opportunities to serve and to care for others. And then there are other days. I'm like, no, thanks. But at the end of my selfishness, I have to be willing to submit and surrender to what God desires. I want to continue to add value. Are we hindering the gospel from going forward? Are we laying down again, as Christ talks about in the gospel of Mark, are we crucifying our flesh? Are we taking up our cross daily and following him? You know, when Thrive first started 10 years ago, 10 years ago, it does not feel like it's been 10 years, but still it feels like it's been 10 years. You see, here's what happened. Pastor Kevin, uh, he moved up here, it was June 2012. 
And him and around 25 to 30 individuals started meeting in this room. And on Wednesday nights, half of that would show up for a time of prayer. And they were trying to figure out what is going to happen in this, what does God want to happen in this room, in this community? And as they prayed and they gathered and they prayed and they gathered, the Thrive launched September 2012. And you see the individuals that were gathering, many of them that are still with us, they wanted to see God move. The way you feel the experience you've had at Thrive Church today, that was their prayer 10 years ago. That what God is doing today, what God is doing each Sunday is an answer to prayer from a decade ago. But you know what? It was because of a room full of Demetriuses, if I can make that plural. It was a room full of individuals that wanted to add value to God's kingdom, that didn't want to be a stumbling block. They wanted God's will to be done no matter what. Even if it went against their preferences, even if they thought the music was too loud, even if they didn't like the way we did, they wanted to see God move. And they were willing to lay down themselves for God's will to be done. So when we gather every single week, understand it's not because of all the flash and the haze and all the cool. It's because God's been answering prayers for 10 years. And he will continue to answer these prayers. But we can hinder the move of God by being deotrophies, by having great, again, great intent, thinking we're being noble, but we're doing it wrong. That's why we need individuals to give us accountability to say, hey, man, you are missing it. There's this blind spot in your life that I've been noticing. Can we talk about that? And not getting defensive, not getting angry, but having a conversation pursuing a life healthy, healthy relationship with the Lord, healthy relationship with ourselves, healthy relationship with others, and allowing and looking for opportunities that we can be used by God, that we, you can be a Demetrius. Listen, you may feel like Diotrephes. You may feel like you've had people talking down to you, talking negatively and terrible about you, even though you've got the greatest intentions. I want to let you know there's this other side of the coin called Demetrius that you can start walking in, that you can pause and you can start just like eating fish. You need to filter people's negative intake about you because some of it may be true. I'm pausing just so you can kind of collect that for a moment. You could be wrong. I know that because I have been wrong. I have been diotrophies. There are some days I still feel that. And now I get to use this as an assessment. I need to ask myself, God, can you trust me? I know I can trust me. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I am perfect. Every day we get to decide, not even every day, throughout the day, we have to decide, are we going to be Diotrephes or are we going to be Demetrius? Can God trust us? Are we going to take, and be, take the initiative and be intentional and surrender our desires, our preferences to what God wants? Because daily we're going to have to do that. 
daily we have to crucify our flesh as followers of Jesus. Again, Paul wrote, it's like, like my life verse, I'd like to say, but Paul wrote, says that you are not your own, but you were bought at a price. What you want, what you desire, we have to lay it at the altar. We have to lay it at the feet of Jesus and allow him to mold us, to shape us, to lead us, to guide us. Because his will, his desire is greater than what we want. Because what he wants is going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So for you and for me, we have to make decisions daily and throughout the day. Are we going to be Diotrephes? Are we going to be Demetrius? So, so say Diotrephes. Say Demetrius. Say Diotrephes. Say Demetrius. So later this week, I want you to mispronounce and say Diotrephes because that's what's going to happen and it happened to me every time I had to read this passage at first. I'm not going to be Diotrephes. No, you're not going to be Diotrephes either. God wants to use you where you are. God wants to help you. God wants to equip you. And today, we're going to, as we close in prayer, we're going to pray that God would continue to do just that, that he would equip us to do and complete the work that he has for us. If you would pray with me this morning. God, we are so thankful. God, for your goodness. God, for your grace. That God, even if we've been a Diotrephes, God, thank, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for putting people in our lives. Thank you for putting scripture in our lives to guide us and direct us. God, I pray today that we make the decision to be a Demetrius, one that adds value, one that seeks to fulfill your will and your desire, one that's willing to sacrifice what we want so that your will can be complete. God, I pray that you open our eyes to areas and blind spots that we, maybe we've been missing it. Maybe we've had the greatest intentions. Maybe we fought to be noble, but we're not doing what you actually want. God, help us and let us see that realization. God, whether by you speaking to us or by you speaking to us through others. And God, help us to be humble in those conversations. That when people call us out, that when people talk about our blind spots, that God, we don't get defensive. But God, we put on humility and we show appreciation because they are saying it and sharing it because they care about us and they care about what we're doing in your name. And as we continue to pray this morning, if you're here in this room with our online campus and you don't have a relationship with God, today you can make that decision. And it's to believe and to confess that Jesus is God in the flesh, that through his death and his resurrection, you can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It's to believe that and to confess that. And a way of confessing that this morning, I want you to, if you want to make a decision to follow Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven of my sins and I have eternal life. I confess and surrender everything to you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.